service. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock-a-rolla. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. And just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we're talking about Hugh Grant, the bear, movie remakes that are better than the originals and a whole lot of other stuff, plus my recommendations and your movie-focused voicemails, text, DMs, and more Badlands listeners. Let's get into it. Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right in to Hugh Grant. Back in 1995, English actor Hugh Grant almost tanked what was the beginning of a promising movie career uh, when he was caught with a sex worker in his car on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. Hugh Grant was arrested, charged with lewd conduct, as was the sex worker, Divine Brown. This was huge news at the time, shocking news, not simply because it was just an actor caught doing something very bad. Or, or quote unquote naughty. <laughs> this was the era of Heidi Fleiss, uh, after all, huge celebrity sex scandal in Hollywood. Uh, and this wasn't shocking just because Hugh Grant's girlfriend at the time was, I don't, there aren't adjectives for Elizabeth Hurley at this time. Just, we'll just say supermodel Elizabeth Hurley. So everyone, everyone naturally was like, what the hell were you doing, dude? You're dating Elizabeth Hurley, and you're in a fucking rental car with Divine Brown, but I digress. It was shocking. It wasn't shocking for any of those reasons, but it was shocking because the actor involved, Hugh Grant, uh, was this super posh, is that the right word? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to use the right word, posh. Is, does this mean rich, or does it mean, like, uh, distinguished as well, or both? Is it interchangeable? But this, like, proper, that's the right word, proper English gentleman type. Uh, 
Hugh Grant was, he just traded on this vibe, this proper English gentleman guy with like this, you know, this sly smile and, and, you know, glint in his eye. He had that type of this weird magnetism, but it all stemmed from this, oh, Hugh Grant type of thing. I can't, I can't do Hugh Grant, but you know what I mean. He was an upstanding citizen type and he's (laughs) caught with divine brown, Uh, like I said, in a rental. Um, Anyways, he goes on this apology tour, goes on late night shows, jokes about it, says he's sorry, all that. Public forgives him, you know, as they should. Uh, Anyways, he goes on to become this beloved actor who we love. He's won a British Film Academy Award, a Golden Globe, an honorary Caesar, uh, which is the French Film Award. His films have grossed billions of dollars worldwide. Okay, this guy makes money for the studios. Um, And despite playing the whole corporate entertainment game, the guy's fucking awesome. (laughs) Hugh Grant cracks me up. Uh, He's punk as fuck in this weird way. I can't really, uh, it's hard. I don't want to go into why exactly I feel like that and justify that statement, but just trust me or just watch his red carpet interview from last year's or this recent year's, the last Oscar ceremony. Hugh Grant on the red carpet being interviewed by fucking TikTok stars is just next level subversive and awesome. Uh, And okay, so the red carpet interview with Hugh Grant, it's a great segue into what I really want to talk about here. Excuse me, I need to take a sip of some tea. It's early. Excuse me, it's early and I'm still waiting on that PG Tips. I'm drinking PG Tips today. It's English in honor of Hugh Grant, but still waiting on that PG Tips sponsorship. Uh, That would make my wife's decade. Anyways, uh, the red carpet interview I was talking about with Hugh Grant. Great segue into what I really want to talk about here, which is Hugh Grant's relationship with the press. Um, and, And it's confrontational to say the least. It's also awesome. You can trace it all the way back to his... 1995 bus that we were just talking about, how it made him a magnet for the paparazzi. Everywhere the dude went, he's followed by these fucking leeches. You fast forward a few years in 2007, and Hugh Grant sues the Daily Mail, the newspaper in the UK, for libel after they read a story about his relationship with his then-current girlfriend, not Elizabeth Hurley, unfortunately. Uh, She moved on, married someone else. Hugh Grant sued the Daily Mail, and he won. Also that year... Guy cracks me up. Also that year, he threw a Tupperware bin of baked beans at photographers who were stalking him outside of his house. Um, I love that. There's humor in that. I don't, just beans are funny to me. Uh, I guess that's how a proper English gentleman fights with baked beans, not pipes and brass knuckles like us Neanderthal Americans. Uh, And then as we discussed in the episode, a few years later, Hugh Grant himself was the guy, he was the one who blew the lid on the huge press scandal in the UK. Uh, I'm blanking on the year. It's, uh, I think, early, like, like 2000. I'm not even going to say something to get it wrong. Um, it's not that early 2000s. Uh, but this huge press scandal in the UK that involves some of the biggest newspapers doing big time bad, 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 bad things. <laughs> Hacking telephones to get dirt on celebrities. New. I want to say that again. Newspapers, journalists, hacking Cell phones, telephones, excuse me, hacking telephones to get dirt on celebrities, illegally hacking phones. <laughs> Fuck the media. Fucking journalists. Give me a break. Something that uh, apparently the cops knew about as well. That some cops were paid off here. Uh, and even some politicians knew about. I'm not going to go into the details here as, as I'm tempted to do. It's all in the episode. Check it out. But I got me thinking. The baked beans part anyways got me thinking. What are some of the most 
dramatic leading men press meltdowns. Leading man press meltdowns. Sean, we've covered a bunch of them. And I'm I'm sensing a trend here. Sean Penn's had a bunch of scuffles with photographers, but maybe the most epic one happened in Macau while he was filming Shanghai Surprise with uh, Madonna. Not sure if you ever heard of that actress, Madonna. She's great. You should check her out. Uh, and Sean, so Sean Penn goes back to his hotel room in Macau. Now they have different rules on privacy, apparently, in Macau. Uh, Sean Penn goes back to his room, and there's a fucking photographer in his room waiting for him. <laughs> Sean Penn goes off Suge Knight and uh, dangles the photographer out of the balcony off the ninth floor of the hotel room, which is amazing. Sean Penn wound up in jail and prison, Macau prison for that. He later escaped. Amazing story. You got to check it out. It's in our Badlands archive. Uh, then there's the story we just covered a couple weeks ago, the Marlon Brando story, another recent Badlands episode subject, who punched a paparazzo so hard <laughs> that he knocked five of the guy's teeth out and broke his jaw. Now that's a punch. Uh, Paparazzo was so scared to get near Brando again after that that whatever he did get near Brando, he wore a football helmet. That's a true story. You can Google those pictures. They're hilarious. But who else you got? Let me know. Best leading man, press meltdowns. Alec Baldwin comes to mind. Woody Harrelson. Hit me up. Let me know. 617-906-6638. I'm back in a flash. All right, the music section of the Rap Party episode, Hugh Grant. All right, not a lot of music comes to mind, but there are some uh, pretty interesting musical connections across many of Hugh Grant's movies. Uh, You get the classic scene from Love Actually, where Hugh Grant, playing the British Prime Minister, is caught by his secretary as he's dancing around the Downing Street residence to the Pointer Sisters jump for my love, okay? You know, not my particular bag, but it's I got to mention it because it was a big scene from a big movie. Uh, then there's the movie Music and Lyrics. This is a rom-com, musical rom-com, which he plays a washed-up 80s pop star alongside Drew Barrymore. Awesome role for, uh, awesome casting for, for Hugh Grant. And then there's the 2002 film about a boy based on the most excellent novel by Nick Hornby, in which Hugh Grant plays a man who lives off the royalties of a successful Christmas song that his deceased dad wrote. Um, And there's this great scene where his character helps this boy he befriended get through an awkward performance of Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly at a talent show by playing the guitar and singing along. And he gets a little carried away, a little too into it. It's an awesome scene. You know what I'm talking about. Um, What are some of the best movie scenes? So this is the thought I had, right? Like, there's all these biopics um, where we have... Uh, actors who go into training to learn how to uh, act and move and sing and play like musicians. Gary Busey and Buddy Holly, Joaquin Phoenix and Johnny Cash. But then there's the sort of this Hugh Grant thing that I'm talking about where uh, actors with not a lot of music experience find themselves having to uh, pretend they know how to play music. And it's usually awkward and weird, and especially when you put a guitar in someone's hand. Um, they don't know how to hold the fucking guitar. They, you know, it's it's hard to learn how to actually. It, there's a natural thing to holding and playing a guitar. You know when you see it. You know you know when it's wrong when you see it. Um, most notably to me is Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. It, he's holding the guitar all weird, uh, but it doesn't matter. He. <laughs> 
he's such a great actor and he brings this like total Van Halen energy uh, to Chuck Berry's cousin's band, <laughs> Marvin's band. And away we suspend our disbelief and the scene, it be- became iconic. There's uh, there's so many of these. There's Matt Damon and Jude Law is a weird one uh, or an obscure one, I should say, playing piano and saxophone. Uh, the Talented Mr. Ripley. I feel like Tom Cruise has something in here. Um, Miles Teller playing the drums and Whiplash comes to mind, but that one doesn't really count because he's kind of like playing a musician. Um, what are some of your favorite moments in movies where just all of a sudden the actors just fucking ball out on instruments and you're like, I'm in. This is cheesy as hell, but I'm in. It's awesome. 617-906-6638. Let me know. And let's do this real quick. Hugh Grant movies. Uh, I got, I got to rattle these off. Because uh, I'm going to surprise you with something. Four Weddings and a Funeral from 1994. This is his breakout role. I saw this when it came out. I haven't seen it since since I've known who Hugh Grant is. And I, I should probably go back and and uh, and watch it. I remember it being awesome. Uh, Notting Hill in 1999. Mickey Blue Eyes in 1999. Small Time Crooks in 2000. That's a Woody Allen movie. Bridget Jones' Diary. Huge film, 2001. About a Boy that I mentioned in 2002. Love Actually, another huge one, 2003. Music and Lyrics. We mentioned that. A uh, bunch of others. Cloud Atlas, The Man from Uncle, Guy Ritchie movie, the remake there. Uh, the Gentleman, which I started, I was loving it. I stopped so that I could watch it with my wife together. Um, and then I forgot to go back to it. So I got to go back to that. My favorite of all these, it might surprise you to know, is Notting Hill. <laughs> I watch Notting Hill every Christmas. I love it. Um, it's the peak rom-com for me. I don't even know if you, yeah, I guess it's a comedy um, more than it is a drama, but it is just, he's so charming in it. Um, it's got the right amount of Christmas vibes for me. And it's, it's you know, peak Julia Roberts, Pedro Martinez era, just like, you know, she can't do anything but throw strikes. She's amazing in it. Uh, love, love, love Notting Hill. <laughs> might surprise you about me. Um, uh, so I don't know. What's your favorite Hugh Grant movie? If you feel like letting me know, let me know. If this, who, who, let's hear from the Hugh Grant heads out there. Uh, number one movie from this episode, Batman Forever. Never seen this one. Sh- Joel Schumacher, Batman, Batman Forever with Val Kilmer, um, Chris O'Donnell. This is the one with Robin, Jim Carrey, and Tommy Lee Jones. Is this good? Is it, I feel like I got fucking panned and that's the reason i haven't seen it um so alrighty then let's get to see what i did there let's get into some of your voicemails and texts uh i asked a lot of questions it's been a minute we didn't have a rap party last week so let's uh let's just dive right in here with the 662 hey what's happening jake it's jay from the uh 662 um uh, a very recent movie that was uh had a delayed release due to an event was Burt Kreischer's movie, The Machine, based on an event in his life uh, that he turned into a comedy bit, was delayed by the Russian invasion of Ukraine because the movie itself is set in Russia. Anyway, have a good one. Hey, Jay, great recommendation. I saw that, Burt Kreischer's stand-up special, The Machine. It's hysterical. I encourage uh, anyone who has not seen this to uh, take your shirt off right now and uh, run to Netflix and watch this comedy special. It's so good that I happened to be at an event um, like like three days later with and uh, not to be all fucking name droppy, but there are a lot of a lot of people there. I'll leave it at that. And uh, that I was like, holy shit. Dang, uh, this, blah, blah. And uh, 
and fucking Burt Kreischer walked right by me, like like six inches from my face. And I was actually starstruck. And I don't really get starstruck that easily. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that dude. But it was because I just watched the special and it knocked me out. It was so funny. All right, let's check in with the 206. Hey, Jake. Thanks for the episode on Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, media has a unchecked, misogynistic, and sexist habit of painting Bond bombshells as bimbos and jokes. Think of Anna, Pamela, Jane, and ultimately Marilyn. They don't do that to men, maybe with the exception of Dennis Rodman, and only because he wore a dress. But Anna Nicole needs a second part two episode. With the possible murder of her son and her own nefarious device, it left her baby daughter in line to inherit the anticipated millions, billions, of J. Howard Marshall. There was a circus of those claiming fatherhood, including the baffling assertion of Jaja Gabor's husband that he might be the father. The underground dirt is allegedly Stern and Burkhart head for lovers who discussed and drugged and pimped Anna Nicole before taking steps to put themselves in control of her daughter's anticipated narratives. It's strictly theory, but there's some smoke might lead to fire. Okay, that's a lot of Anna Nicole. Appreciate the thoughtful message. A two-parter on Anna Nicole Smith um, for Badlands. What do you guys think? Seth Lundy, what do you think? Let me know. Seems uh, like, yeah, there's there's smoke there and possibly more to get into. I appreciate the information. Like I said, thank you, 206. Uh, let's check out the voicemail from the 714. Yo, Jake. Hey, love the uh, Brando episode, brother. I, I got to agree. His greatest movie, definitely Godfather. No doubt whether or not that's the greatest film ever is one thing. But I have to tell you, my favorite Brando movie is far none, Island of Dr. Moreau. I love a good batshit crazy movie, and that one takes the cake. Matter of fact, that entire movie may have spawned the entire furry movement. Um, I think we need to do an episode on great actors in batshit roles past their prime. Uh, this one takes the cake for me, man. And go watch Lady Hawk, because that's another crazy fucking movie about uh, one of them that turns into a hawk and a guy that turns into a wolf, and they can only see each other like it's sunset. It's some weird 80s shit. You'll like it, man. All right, that's a wrap. Peace out. Bye. Okay, I've never, I've never seen The Island of Dr. Monroe, or Moreau, excuse me, Dr. Moreau. Uh, but this voicemail, I didn't play it because of that. I played it because of great actors in batshit roles past their primes. Now that is a theme. That is a topic. I love this idea. Great actors in batshit roles past their primes. Let me know. 617-906-6638. In the meantime, let's hear from uh, Tommy in the 574. Jake, it's Tommy from the 574. I've got another baseball movie for you, a very interesting one with a young Billy D. Williams, a very young uh, Richard Pryor, and James Earl Jones in it uh, from 1976. It's called The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, an independent team of all-black players during the Great Depression. Very unique movie. Uh, might be right up your alley if you're uh, on a kick of uh, baseball movies. 
thanks for both of the shows and uh, take care. Yes, I know about this movie. I think it's from the 70s, right? Early 70s. Uh, I could be wrong, but I've never seen this movie. I'll check it out. Uh, summertime, guys. I'm still in this baseball movie kick. Moneyball was on randomly the other night. I caught some of that. My son was like, oh, I want to watch this. He's nine. And uh, I was like, all right. Yeah, he watches with me. There's going to be some some F-bombs, but whatever. Begged me to stay up past his bedtime to watch it. We got 10 minutes into it. He's like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> not for nine-year-olds, but the movie's awesome. Moneyball's great. Uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Let's uh, dig into this voicemail from the 505. Oh, hi. This is Barb from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I think some indigenous films and film actors need to be looked at, and there's one specifically for Disgraceland. He was an actor who was in Dances with Wolves and Kevin Costner, and last year was indicted for sex trafficking, and uh, basically underage girls. I can't remember the guy's name, but if you Google Dances with Wolves actor sex trafficking, you'll find him. In the meantime, there is a great movie called Thunderheart with a very young Val Kilmer, Graham Greene, Sam Shepard, which addresses um, the government's abuse of indigenous lands, uh, mining and all that stuff but it would be nice to hear something um that's not necessarily caucasian i love your show bye you know i saw this story when it popped up uh, about the dances with wolves guy sounds like yes true crime could be an interesting story uh but i i just i uh, i can't get into the kid stuff um it's uh I'm into the indigenous actors idea, but the kids stuff is just too much of a bum out. I've avoided it. I've avoided this crime uh, thus far on all my shows, and I'm going to continue to. Uh, but if you got other ideas, Barb, call me back. Let me know. I'll check out Thunderheart, too. I love Sam Shepard and Val Kilmer. All right, let's check in with Mary from the 641 on Strange Celebrity Deaths. Hey, Jake, this is Mary, that trucker bitch from the 641. I just want to let you know that your voice keeps me awake at night to help me deliver the goods all over the Midwest. Now, my answer to your question about strange or coincidental celebrity deaths, um, I wanted to bring to your attention that Robert F. Kennedy's son, Michael Kennedy, was killed on December 31st, 1997, in a skiing accident. Uh, he hit a tree. And uh, also, within a week, Sonny Bono was also killed in a skiing accident by hitting a tree. Sonny Bono passed away January 5th, 1998. Now, the other weird uh, fact about all that, that is just personal to me is my youngest son was born on December 31st, 97. But yeah, I always thought that that was strange that Michael Kennedy died on December 31st, 97, hitting a tree in a skiing accident. And then less than a week later, Sonny Bono also died in a skiing accident by hitting a tree. That's all I got for you. Rock a rolla. Happy to keep you awake, Mary. Thanks for delivering the goods. Um, I remember this when it happened, and I remember the weirdness of it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, for calling and letting us know. All right, guys, thanks for the voicemails. Keep them coming, 617-906-6638. I love the engagement. You can text me, too. You know that, 617-906-6638. Here, let's, uh, let's do some texts from the 864 
Jake, Jakey, it's Elaine, Laney, 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 two exclamation points. Hey, Laney, long text. I'm going to read the uh, Badlands ver- um, relevant part of it. You say the movie you suggested, Capone. I watched it. I loved it. I get why people wouldn't. People have certain figures in their heads and they see Al Capone as a killing bad motherfucker. All people hear about in history are how these mobsters are and they die. No one wants to see them as a real person that was sick or suffered and who shits his pants and whose wife took care of him. He was broke in the end and it was sad. It was a great movie and Tom Hardy was fucking amazing. Rock and roll. Yes, Tom Hardy was amazing as Al Capone. Great movie. Thanks, Lanny. Appreciate it. All right, for the 7-2. Oh, hey, Jake. Brianna from Denver. This is a long one. Thanks, Brianna. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I appreciate it. I mean, I've read it, but I'm not going to read it all on uh, into the mic. So here we go. I'll get into it here. Uh, okay, first things first, Brianna says, you'd read my previous text on the after party back in January slash February. Thank you, by the way. And I thought I had responded, but now looking at the text chain, I clearly did not. Sorry about that. I blame it on my mom brain, even though I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. I can't, I don't think you can claim mom brain when you have teenagers, Brianna. Just let, just saying that. Goes on to say, okay, why I originally started this text. Heist movie and TV recommendations. There aren't quite as drama driven as other recommendations I've heard. More drama comedy. So I think of them as more heist adjacent. The Sting, 1973 with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. One of my faves set in the 1930s. I know The Sting. I saw it a long, long time ago. I should probably watch it again. That's me talking about Brianna. Brianna goes on to say, and then there's Leverage. TNT series from 2008 to 2012 with Timothy Hutton. What? What is this? I don't know that I've heard of this. Uh, First couple seasons are based in Boston. Anyone else see this? Leverage? And they brought the entire series back in 2021 for a couple seasons. Still good, but the original is my favorite. All right. I'm going to check that out. Uh, She goes on to talk about That Thing You Do, written and directed by Tom Hanks. Uh, I will also say the theme song is sung by my friend Mike Viola. Uh, She goes on to say, with Tom Hanks, Liv Tyler. I've seen, we've all seen, come on, we've all seen That Thing You Do. Great music movie, Brianna says. Yes, it is. Fucking amazing. She's also recommending 61 as a baseball movie, which is a great one. She goes on to say, ooh. As my Norwegian ancestors would say, that was a lot. Hope you were able to make it through all that. I made it through most of it, Brianna. I love all the double all this content and find myself going back to re-listen many times over. All the best. Thanks, Brianna. Preach. As my kids say. What else we got? Let's get into some more here. The 509 says, hey, Jake, when you were ranting on the Boston Red Sox and you were talking about the movies that you were watching with your boys, I got to thinking about one of my favorite movies about baseball. Have you seen The Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau and Tatum O'Neill? It's one of my favorites, Rockarola. Of course, I've seen The Bad News Bears. I actually watched it recently with my five-year-old and whoa, Nelly, is that fucking movie problematic? Um... From another time, uh, for another time, that's all I'm going to say. I'm also going to say I love Walter Matthau in that movie. And uh, that movie will be a part of my childhood, (laughs) for better or worse. (laughs) And now my five-year-olds as well. You know, the thing with showing kids, young kids movies, they don't get half of it. I know because I was a young kid watching shit and I didn't get half of it because I rewatched it as an adult. and I was like, oh, that's what that meant. Or as an older kid, I should say. All right, let's see what else we got. 
from the 780. Hey, Jake, this is Susan from the 780 up in Alberta, Canada. Been listening to your unique storytelling style since one of Disgraceland and love the content variety for 27 Club and Badlands too. And make sure Nikki Lynette gets love for about a girl as well because she is a treasure. Yes, Nikki Lynette is. Uh, Nikki Lynette is the host of a show of ours called About a Girl, Double Love a Show. Check that out. All right. Uh, let's see. 780 goes on to say, I suspect you got a few comments after the June 30 rap party from saying you were rerunning the two-part Sharon Stone story. <laughs> Did I say that? I apologize. I clearly meant Sharon Tate. I was excited to hear you're doing an episode on her because her story is a roller coaster ride. I love the Sharon Tate and Mama Cass episodes, but you could take this as a sign that you should do a Sharon Stone episode. A Badlands inroad into her life would be the vicious murder of John Lynn by Luca Minata in 2012, who was inspired by and duplicated aspects of the crimes in her breakout movie, Zeth Lundy. Zeth, I'm screenshotting you this text, brother. We're doing this. This is a great idea. Um, stay with me here, guys. There we go. That's taken care of. Uh, great idea. I love this. Thank you for the text. Uh, yeah, Sharon Stone. You can count on it, Susan. Preach. All right. That's it for the text. 617-906-6638. I got to bring my kid to baseball camp, so I got to move this along. Appreciate it all. Keep them coming. All right. Uh, you know, voicemail, text 617-906-6638 or at Pod. Didn't do any DMs today. I apologize. I'll double up on them next week. Keep them coming, though. Mainly talking hip hop over on the Instagram. Uh, that's a Disgraceland thing, not a Badlands thing. I'm going to take a quick break. Back with some recommendations in a flash. This is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and the television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and television we're recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. Okay, first up, I finished The Bear season two. Wow, wow, wow. I cannot get over. I can't get over how great this fucking show is. Everything from the way it's shot, the way they use the music, the acting, uh, this season, the relationship between the characters, the emotional weight yoking them together, the way the season ends, the master, it's fucking a masterpiece. Some of the best, most groundbreaking television that I've ever seen. Please watch The Bear. If you have not, you will not be disappointed. And if you have seen it, let me know what you thought. All right. Uh, quick tangent here. Not tangent, but quick little uh, wormhole. Last time we spoke, I talked to you guys about this uh, family drama that I watched from the 60s called The Lion in Winter with Peter O'Toole. Sent me down a rabbit hole uh, for King Lear-related dramas. Read a book called I'll Never Go There Anymore by Jerome Weidman. Now, this book, hard to get a hold of these days. Great book. Uh, set in the 40s, came out in the early 40s. Hard to get much info on this. But this book went on to inspire three, like, real film adaptations of it. Um and they're not like, uh, they're adaptations. So they're basically taking characters and they're they're spinning them off into these whole other stories that have nothing really to do with the book. Um, and one of them I just watched called House of Strangers. Didn't really recognize anyone in this film. Edward G. Robinson. This is a movie from, I believe, 48, 49, based on a book that came out in 1942. So it tells you how impactful that book was when they're, they're, they're pumping that movie out before the decade's even over. Um 
Anyways, Edward G. Robinson, the only actor I recognized in this film. Film's really good, not great, but I tell you all this because I can't find much information on this book that was clearly the shit at the time that inspired these three movies. Uh, The next one on the list here is uh, Broken Lance by Spencer Tracy. uh, Sorry, with Spencer Tracy. That is a, a Western Um, I believe there was an Academy Award nomination or perhaps even a win involved with this film. Uh, I'm going to check that one out next. Again, the book is I'll Never Go There Anymore. Uh, The movie I watched was called House of Strangers. You know, good, not great. Worth watching, I guess. Uh, But I'm looking forward to the next one here, the next adaptation, uh, which is totally different. It's not set in New York like the book is or like the first film is. It's a Western uh, called Broken Lance with Spencer Tracy. So I'm going to check that out and I'll get back to you and let you know how that was. And if you know anything about this book, I'll Never Go There Anymore, or about the author, Jerome Weidman, let me know. All right. Uh, Last night, I watched Harper with uh, Paul Newman, Lou Harper, the detective right? Why do I want to say Hooper? It's not. Hold on. Let me just check this out real quick. Make sure I got this right. Yeah. Lou Harper, 1966. Um, it was on, uh, Turner classic movies. Great channel. And, uh, I loved it. I let my nine-year-old watch it with me. The violence was tame enough because it's 1966 guys get shot, but it's nowhere near like video game guys getting shot. Uh, wasn't an issue. Sex stuff mostly went over his head. Uh, I think I'm onto something here. Old movies with young kids, but there's a limit. Yeah, I don't think he can go past like 1967 and then he start to get into the shit. We'll see. I'll keep you posted on how this goes. I watched, uh, I also watched the original Ocean's Eleven, not the first installment from the Clooney franchise, which I love, of course, but the original, original from 1960 with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., President's brother in law, Peter Lawford. Uh, hard watch for me. I love watching these guys on film run around doing movie star shit. Uh, but the movie's not great. I don't think it's great anyways. Maybe I'm just too spoiled from modern filmmaking or maybe just the movie sucks. I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things where they get a lot of famous guys, put them in a room, not a great script, expect them to do shit, and uh, it's good, not great. I can't tell if I'm not into it because it's dated, like I said, or if it's just not good. Begs the question, though, what straight-up remakes of older movies are far superior than the originals? Thus... Ocean's Eleven, far better than the original, the Clooney version. Um, I feel like that doesn't happen as often like it did with Ocean's Eleven. I feel like the remakes usually suck in comparison. But let me know your thoughts and give me some examples. 617-906-6638, which remakes are better than the originals, okay, when it comes to movies. I guess TV as well. And also, what are you guys watching? Let me know. Um, and you can reach me at Disgraceland Pod, as well as uh, you know the voicemail on the text machine six one seven nine zero six 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 three eight. I gotta go. I'm out of here. I gotta take a quick break. Come back and recap this bitch. All right, one second. All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, the obvious, the Hugh Grant episode of Badlands is available in your feeds right now. Go check that out next week in Badlands. Number two, next week in Badlands, a new episode on Jane Mansfield. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we got a new episode on Ariana Grande available for you now and a new episode on New Order 
Uh, super happy, fun time coming at you next week. Number four, call me, 617-906-6638 to get this Badlands movie conversation going. Number five, I got to split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from Notting Hill. Title, exterior, various days. She plays through the credits. Exquisite footage of Anna Scott, the great movie star of our time, an ideal, the perfect star in woman, her life full of glamour and sophistication and mystery. Exterior, street, day, mixed through to William, 35, relaxed, pleasant, and formal. We follow him as he walks down Portobello Road carrying a load of bread. It's spring. William, V.O. Of course I've seen her in films and always thought she was, well, fabulous, but you know, million miles from the world I live in, which is here, Notting Hill. Not a bad place to be. Exterior, Portobello It's a full food market day. There's the market Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.